Well, hello, friends, and welcome to Tell Us More, a podcast from Lake Forest Church, Westlake, all about the message we hear each and every week. I am your host, Nathan Story, and joining me this week, returned, is Pastor Aaron Gibson and Cesar Guerrero. We spent the last two weeks with uh, Pastor Mitch White. It's been awesome to hear from Mitch, but Aaron, we're glad to have you back. Welcome back to the show. Thank you. Thank you. How fun to have Mitch on the show, too. Oh, he did great. Cool. Yeah, it's really awesome. I love Pastor White. Yeah, we uh, we almost didn't want to invite you back. He's so, so good, <laughs> so, uh, such a good. I guest set that so one up. Didn't yeah, I? a little bit. Like, okay, that's all right. That's all right. <laughs> yeah, well, how are you guys doing? Everybody doing okay? Yeah, we're doing good. Okay, Caesar, you had an icebreaker you want to share? Yes. Okay, I have an icebreaker based on our past couple com- couple conversations about money. I wanted to ask a fun question. What is the dumbest thing you've bought in the last? couple of months. We'll do two months. A couple of months? Let's do two months. I'm off the hook for a lot of really dumb decisions I made in college then. Um, <laughs> your degree doesn't count. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, that is too funny. One of the dumbest things that I've bought. Gosh. Oh, I can tell you. All right. So, you know what? You know in the season, I don't know what season it is, but in North Carolina, we call it the fly season. Do y'all ever, you know, there's like this one month every year in our house where we battle this these flies. And I don't know where they come from other than the pit of hell. Yeah. But they, they come. And and I um, uh, I, I bought, I, this isn't, this is going to sound, I'm trying to be this, setting this up real dramatically. There's no drama to this. I bought a bunch of uh, insect spray things, you know, from, from Lowe's or whatever that we would have used when we lived in California to chase away the cockroaches. But yeah. um, I bought, bought this pack. I was so excited to get home. And my wife told me, um, Aaron, thanks for doing that. But these, that doesn't kill these flies. Like apparently she had done the research <laughs> and I just, I bought the wrong, the wrong insecticide or whatever. I guess that's kind of dumb. So what did it kill? Flies. Well, I haven't used it. It's oh, just okay. yeah, you know, you one try of those it things. Out a random insect. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Will this kill my insect? I don't. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. You know, I don't yeah. know. I guess I should just take them back to Lowe's and uh, buy some. Yeah, can you pieces. return chemicals? Will they take chemicals <laughs> I, back? Well, I haven't opened the box, so let's hope so. Yeah, right? yeah, right. yeah. Uh, mine is probably just home repair stuff that I didn't prepare well enough in <laughs> advance. So, like, I, I'm we're redoing a bathroom right now. And I went and got a couple safety valves, uh, water turnoff valves for under the sink. Like we, we cut all that pipe off because we had to replace some drywall and all that stuff. And so I'm sitting there and like literally like a cave person trying to bang together like two kinds of pipe. And then I realized, wait, I have to literally cut off these compression sockets because the plumber put compression things on there so it wouldn't flood our house. And I was like, wait a second. Well, so back up before then I tried to hook up the sink. <laughs> Not realizing I don't have water safety turnoff valves. Yes, very nice. <laughs> so, very nice. Uh, so I've I've gone to Lowe's probably six times in the last two mm-hmm. weeks and not and again not gotten everything that I needed. So the it's, joys of home ownership. Oh my Nathan, gosh, I know it's awful. It's yes. awful. Yeah. Yeah. So so sockets I didn't actually need because I didn't see that I needed something <laughs> else completely. That, that's probably my dumbest thing. Yeah. How about you, C? Is your turn? Twice cut ones kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Or not measure at all, yeah, not to be perfectly honest. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah, I mean, mine's similar. I, I uh, Me and my wife were hoping to do some truck camping, um, and I uh, was going to get a camper top for my truck, and so mm. I bought these clamps to uh, fasten a truck top that I had bought, thankfully, because found out me and my wife were too tall. 
or the back of our truck. <laughs> so even if we got a camper, a camper top, we we wouldn't be able to fit underneath. So I just have some clamps just lying around that are specifically made for this one purpose, and now they're just going to be uselessly sitting in the back of my truck. Oh. Yeah, did you did you literally try to lay down in your truck bed and then realize your feet are hanging off way too much? Or? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I didn't take into account that the camper topper does not cover the tailgate, and with the tailgate down we fit, oh. but with the tailgate up we don't. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, how oh, funny. Nathan has a saw that can shorten things. <laughs> I do, I do. If you want me to cut something. <laughs> Also got a lot of extra safety like turnoff valves for water if you want to. <laughs> well, we've been in a series called Money Talk since all the money talk. Uh, and Aaron preached for us this past weekend. Um, Aaron, kind of go into the elevator pitch for this sermon and, and then tell us a little bit about kind of where your process went as you prepared and where you uh, got to the conclusions we reached in the sermon. Yeah, tell us a little bit about that that message. Well, I, I've been loving the series, and I, I like it because it's snarky, you know. <laughs> yeah. If money could talk, what would it say to us? Yeah. And yeah. and I, that's just been fun, you know. Um, the cliche is is for pastors, for preachers, is you know, oh gosh, you know, I hate talking about money. And there's this, I guess, there's this idea out in the world that somehow every time we talk about money as Christians, we're going to offend somebody. And I think I was sensitive to that when I was younger in ministry. Yeah. I actually like talking about money. Hmm. Uh, and that's that's probably only been in the last three or four years. And I like talking about it because um, Jesus says our money is intimately intertwined with our spiritual life, right? And uh, money is never just transactional; it's always spiritual. Yeah. And huh. uh, and so because of that, I've really I I, I like talking about it. it. It really impacts my life. It impacts our lives uh, as people. And um, this has just been a fun way to get at it. So I. I I have to I have to give a little bit of shout out. I had one ministry partner, he'll remain nameless, but he sent me a text Monday morning and, and thanked me for the uh, the biggie reference in the sermon on oh, Sunday. Yeah. So it's not it's not every sermon where you get to quote the notorious B I G. So true. Uh, That's you know true. Uh, that that was that was fun. But yeah, have the idea is what would our money say to us? And and mm. most of us know probably what money would say. Yeah. Uh, are we actually listening? Maybe that's another question. So well, it's funny that you made that reference because we kind of we're surrounded by a lot of money talk, actually. And to be able to use uh, a biggie reference to kind of back up what you were saying is really interesting because maybe, maybe the world is also catching on to some of the things that we would be talking about. And, yeah, it's weird. Why, why would we hesitate to talk about money if the world's already talking about money and we would probably see it the very same way? More money, more problems. More money, more problems. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So a lot of this past week's message uh, dwelled a lot on this idea of tithing. And I'm looking at your notes here, and you have this question, where did Jesus get this idea? I want to talk a little bit about that, about giving and, and tithing and, and where that comes from. Yeah, well, you know, I I really, um, th- this the core G- Jesus teaching on this one, which occurs two times in the gospel, it occurs actually in the heart of the Sermon on the Mount, um, which is Jesus' most famous sermon in the book of Matthew. And he, he, it's smack in the middle of that sermon. He stops and he says, um, you know, look, you, you, we all know this. You can't serve two masters. Yeah. That's just sort of an obvious thing. And, and then I, I tried to imagine myself in that setting. What would I have 
what would I have thought Jesus was going to fill in the blank with on the other side of God and, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I really, I mean, I played it up in the message just because I had fun dreaming about it, but I really think it had to have been quite surprising to people that he said God and money. And so then I, I was just starting, where, where, you know, because Jesus didn't pull his teachings out of a vacuum. I mean, again, mm-hmm. we, uh, what, what the Christian faith affirms is that Jesus was fully God and fully man. That's what we say in our creeds, right? And so Jesus learned as well in his full humanity. He learned, and Jesus was well steeped in the Hebrew scriptures. So part of what I wanted to do in the sermon was connect this teaching that he was giving. He was preaching a sermon. Yeah. What was his text for his sermon, right? right? <laughs> as, yeah. as it were. And, um, well, sorry, I mentioned it occurs in Matthew. It also occurs in Luke chapter 16. Yeah. Which, funny enough, is the same context uh, that we're gonna, uh, of another parable that we're going to talk about this coming Sunday. So that's a little bit of a teaser for anybody. Okay. We're going to yeah. talk about one of Jesus' strangest parables where the hero of the story, we kind of think, this guy should not be the hero. So anyway, yeah. that's going to be a lot yeah. of fun. But yeah, so I tried to connect it to this, and, and I just think um, you know there's a rich history of God's instructions to his people in the Old Testament about how they relate to money. Mm. And, and you talked about it being tied to giving, right? Giving to people who are poor and needy. You talked about giving people who are doing service for God's kingdom, the purposes, the priests, things like that. Um, why is giving such an important part of, of that whole mastery conversation? Because I, I guess in, to, when I first heard that, I was like, oh, giving, giving money away seems like I'm giving more of my power away or my ability to make an impact in the world around me. So how, how does that generosity or giving away my money help? Is it the more money, more problems, less, less money, less, <laughs> less problems? Yeah. yeah, does it work the other way? That's an interesting yeah. question. Yeah, I think, I mean, there can be problems with or without money, right? right? And maybe that's the bigger point. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, it's kind of funny. Um, I think, Caesar, that my, I don't know, my life, the answer to your question is it's, it's about attachment. Let me tell a story real quick. So um, just just this last week, my, my 99 Land Cruiser finally... Um, bit the dust oh. and uh silent, yeah that's right yeah, that's feel, yeah yeah uh, i'm going through the stages of grief right now <laughs> oh, no. uh, but i have lo- y'all know i love this car I mean, yeah. this is like my baby right yes. and uh it has three hundred and twenty thousand miles on it <laughs> i just love this car and um that's the problem <laughs> i love this car <laughs> and so i didn't realize how much emotional attachment i have to this thing mm. until i have to let it go and it's so much so, I mean, my wife is so gracious to me, but she's also kind of making fun of me a little bit. <laughs> she, she, knew, she knew when it blew up, like she knew the answer immediately. Like I, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, well, should we put a new engine in it? And like you, oh my you ask anybody in their right mind and they're all going to say the same thing, Aaron, let it go, right? Yeah. Yeah. But my wife knew that I had to, she had to give me a couple days to pretend like I was going to resurrect this thing. Yeah. And the problem is attachment. And so... We get attached to our stuff, mm. and we get attached to our money, and we get attached to um, all the means that we're getting. And so I think the answer is that giving, at least according to the scriptures, giving is the, I don't want to say only, maybe the primary, possibly the only way that we can loosen the attachment of stuff 
and money in our lives. Mm-hmm. And that's, um, I think that's what Jesus is trying to get at here. Mm-hmm. In this series so far, I've been struck a lot by this idea that about time and how that attributes to our thoughts around on money. And, and what I mean by that is that our, I think our past dictates a lot of the way we feel about money and our future. Mm-hmm. So we think about how we grew up and if that was a positive experience or a negative experience, and that kind of informs our decisions about what we want for our families and our present. But we also think about the future and how we want our lives to end and how we want our kids' lives to, to be. And that, that's just interesting to me that I think those two things, the past and the future, probably inform more about our immediate and present financial decisions than the present itself. I think we can be influenced by what is immediately happening around us or houses breaking down cars dying that kind of yeah, thing yeah, like yeah. In, in in a lot of ways but for the most part i feel we very motivated by what we've experienced and what we hope to experience yeah. in our money it seems really that's a really fascinating thing to me about it well, what are some things that you and your family or you as the father in the family um what do you hope for when you think of and how does money play into that hmm well i a lot of what I've learned in my son's young life, you know, he's only two, two and a half yesterday, actually, uh, is that money has a lot less to say about that than I realized. Um, so when I think about my life and growing up, my, my dad, on average, made about $25,000 most of my childhood. And my mom worked part-time at churches and as a secretary and that kind of thing. And so I think about that in the grand scheme of things, you would move pretty poor right um, but I never thought I was mm-hmm. I looked around and I knew that kids that I would hang out with at church or school or whatever or different schools um, I knew that they had more and like a little bit nicer stuff than us but I never thought we were like poor right. and so I think what that is a testament to is just how much love was in our family and how much my parents actually just created fun experiences for us in other ways mm-hmm. um, and you know and, and I, I don't I think, I can't quite speak from experience, but it seems like kids that have everything, you know, in air quotes, kids that have the nicest toys, like they, if, if, if parent, then this is not quite to judge this if you buy your kids a lot of nice stuff, but, you know, if that's the way you're trying to create a memorable childhood, it's not quite the thing that um, is going to do it. What's going to do that is actually time and experience. So interesting. My family was more overt with that same message. My mom and dad would would perfect like and would just kind of perfect um, as if this was a normal thing. I think to tell your kids, which I'm not sure if it is, <laughs> uh, but they would say they would say, "Hey, those kids who get everything they want, their parents don't love them as much." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see. That's kind of what I was, was alluding to, but yeah, like, the Guerrero yeah, family was yeah, just out with it. I see. Yeah, the Guerrero family was just like they don't love the kids as much because they have to buy their kids stuff. I'm like. Whoa! Like as a kid, wow. like holding that for the first time as yeah. like what you know a second grader who is who doesn't have the cool heelys you know in their yeah. shoes and all yeah. that kind of stuff. But now when I don't now that I'm not in that structure of my parents give me things. You talk about attachment to things. I think kids attach themselves mm-hmm. quite a bit oh, yeah. to, to things. Yeah. Um, and I think it's to me. I'm, I'm now trying to reflect. Are there things I attach myself to? Because I'm not a kid anymore who has like the toys um well, maybe i do i don't know maybe i have different things. kind of toys different kind, different of, kind toys. of toys yeah like tvs and things like that yeah um yeah. but you know as an adult how, how how do we go about diagnosing how attached we are to things 
Yes, yeah, I think that uh, I think that attachment question is really the question. And again, not just going back to the scripture for a minute. It's the way to know what our attachments are is to ask is to practice this spiritual habit of giving. It's funny in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is going to go there in just the next chapter. He's going to say, "Look, if anybody comes up to you and asks anything of you, give it to them. If they don't have a coat, you." You give them your coat. Yeah. Wow. And, I mean, we hear that when, oh, well, Jesus is just trying to make a point. And, you know, it's mm-hmm. metaphorical. I, I'm not sure there was. <laughs> you know, um, the the problem is, and, and this, I don't mean to go back too much, but it, got, it kind of goes back to the first week that Mitch was preaching on this. Yeah. It, it really is about whose, whose stuff do we believe it is ultimately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's funny, the... We get into the tithe. The I, you know, I didn't know this until you know, I don't know five six years ago when I did a deep dive one time on tithing in this in the Bible, and you know there there were three different kinds of tithes. But what's so interesting to me is you imagine yourself three different kinds of practice. But you imagine yourself being a farmer, right? And you went out and you planted that seed. Well, first of all, you tilled the ground, then you planted the seed. Um, Maybe you had an irrigation system from a river nearby, or, or maybe you just were dependent on the rain. Um, and so you kind of knew that you had something to do with that plant growing, but you didn't have everything to do with mm-hmm. that plant growing. Yeah. And yet, something about the human heart and our condition still makes us think, I produce that crop. <laughs> that's mine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so mm. um, that's the human condition. Mm. So I get my paycheck, and I think, that's mine, right? I produced that. And I forget that there were all kinds of things given to me. Mm. Um, I was given an education. I was by my family or by my community. or I was, I was given abilities mm. by my creator. I was given the very next breath that I have to breathe by God. And yet my condition is such, I, I default into thinking, no, this is mine. I did all this on my own. Mm. And so that, that whole idea that the Israelite farmers would do where they'd go out and when that first strong stock of a plant would grow up, they would tie a reed to it to mark it. Mm. And remember, this, this isn't all of me. Mm. Yeah. And so I think there's something in that attachment thing for us yeah. that's human condition. We will just attach. We will think we made all this happen. And something about the tithe is meant to help loosen that. Yeah, wow. I, I'm reminded, I think it's the story of the rich young ruler, you guys can correct me, who, who comes up to Jesus and asks, you know, how do I get to heaven? And Jesus says, just get rid of all your stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so even in that, you know, you see Jesus, it seems to me, maybe, maybe not, but it seems to me that Jesus, although he's spoken many, many parables, he's pretty blunt about money. Right, and he says to this guy, you know, just get get rid of your stuff. He, I think he's trying to show that his where his attachments lie, even in that story. And I don't remember if it's tied to the that exact story, but the the quote of it being easier for a, a camel to get through the eye of a needle mm-hmm. than than a rich person to get into heaven. Okay. Wow! Wow! So, so super nerdy thing on that. I, which I Let's just do have, it. I Let's just have it. to share because it's super fun. There. That there was actually somebody I don't know who it was, um, and I I, I got to be careful here because you know, as a friend of mine says, um, 
you know, eighty percent of the statistics that pastors preach about are made up. Right. <laughs> I'll let that sink in for a second. Yeah. But there was actually a guy who falsified a story about a gate in Jerusalem that was supposedly called the Eye of the Needle. And he hold, he made this oh, whole I, you, you gotta Google this. This is so yeah, funny. Yeah. Um, I don't remember if it was in an article or if it was in a sermon, but he he made up this whole thing about there being a gate, and the gate was lower than other gates. And so if you were carrying your goods in on a camelback, you had to unload the goods in order to get your camel through this gate. Well, if that were true, that would have made a great story. Yeah. <laughs> Turns out he made the whole thing up. And, oh and now, before we bash the guy, we don't like that message from Jesus. Right. So much so that we feel like we have to make up stories to explain it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's like, this, Jesus, this is a hard teaching. Who can follow it? You know? So, yeah. so anyway, I, I, that's a super nerd moment. I hope that doesn't get edited out, edited out of the podcast. But uh, back to the story Time at large. Tell. There we go. There we go. <laughs> Well, uh, we, you mentioned in your, your message here in the way forward, and, and uh, we talked a little bit about it, but what's the, what's the way forward from this? If we're wrestling with this, if we're trying to be um, good followers of Jesus, if we're trying to be God-honoring followers with our money, what, what is the way forward? Is it just, is it everything that comes in, 10%'s got to go out? Is that is that the hard pill we have to swallow? I, I guess the, maybe the answer, well, one, and I didn't have much enough time in this sermon to talk about this. This is not a, a salvation issue. Hmm. It's not a God's going to love you more issue. It has nothing to do with that. Um, and it's not a God needs our money. He, he, Bono's right. He doesn't need it. Yeah. <laughs> it's already his, right? Yeah. Um, I guess the answer to the question is how free do you want to be from your mm. attachment to money? And, I, and that sounds a little unnecessarily snarky. I don't mean it that way. Well, but if you look at the language, through that lens, and I, I might have even said this with Mitch, I can't remember if, if there's any podcast historians out there, send me an email and say if, I, if I've <laughs> actually said this before. Um, but the giving is more about us than it is about God. It's absolutely about us. Yeah. It's absolutely, and it always has been. Yeah. So I, yeah. I think that I, I would say three things just quickly. What's the way forward? So the first is um, that this you got to do so cheerfully. Yeah. If, if this is out of fear or guilt um, it, it may not bear the fruit or you might not be able to sustain it mm. I mean you really have to decide do I really believe the Bible teaches this and do I really want God to be master Lord in my life and yeah. if so then I'm going to trust that, that he actually believes this is good for me mm. then I think the second step is is to give first Yeah, it, it's not the leftovers you, you just decide this is going to be a first thing mm-hmm I'm going to do this before I do anything else. Uh, and so you, you, that's how you, that you put that in your budget, put that in your habits, however you're going to do that. And then thirdly, I would say, um, in, in my life, we, my wife and I, we've practiced the, the 10% principle. And I do think that 10% is just enough that I feel it. Mm-hmm. I could give 1% and I wouldn't notice it. Yeah, yeah. It, and therefore, it might not serve the purpose spiritually in my life that... I want it to, or that God wants it to, right? Yeah. So 10% is hard. So you say, do I just need to bite the bullet? And yeah, maybe for some folks, maybe that's it. For others, maybe you want to work your way towards that incrementally. Mm-hmm. You know, um, mm-hmm. I've had friends who decide, hey, we're just going to start with a percentage and then we're going to try and grow that. 
um, month by month to get up to a full tithe. Um, I wish I could say that the percent doesn't matter. Right. I, I wish I could. I just know from my own life that wouldn't be true of my story. Maybe that maybe that's true of some people. Hmm. But I think the ten percent, it's there for maybe a reason. It yeah. seems that the the answer is somewhere almost. If you look at the 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 text of the Bible, the, the answer is somewhere between ten and everything. Jesus. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, right. <laughs> so, so it's ten or greater, not ten or less. Well, I mean, somewhere I in there, the someone give or take. We kind of want is it between zero and ten. Yeah, is basically where we kind of want to have the conversation. But it seems that Jesus is having the conversation. It's between ten and everything, ten wow. and a hundred. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, what to your point earlier, it's uncomfortable for us because we want to know how close to ten can we get. Yeah, yeah. What's my minimum? Yeah, what's, what's my minimum? Yeah. And. Yeah, I mean, you talked about the freedom from attachment. I was just reading with some friends a passage in Mark where Jesus is is leaning heavily on some Old Testament language, which is bringing freedom to captives, and, mm. and this idea of you know that our our stuff, although it, I think uh, the American consumer thinks freedom is attained when you can attain more things, mm. uh, yeah. But I think Jesus would say, "Hey, that form of freedom is not is not the same freedom that I want to offer you. Yeah. And to to be available to my freedom, you have to give up your freedoms for other things." So, in other words, Big Biggie's quoting Jesus when he says, "More, more money, more <laughs> problems." Maybe, yeah, maybe. See, this idea is so interesting. You know, when you when you think about the ten or all, I mean, I think that's a really great question. Yeah. I was having a conversation with a ministry partner at Lake Forest um, just two weeks ago, and we were talking about this, and, and he's somebody who's practiced this his whole life, and and uh, I was asking him questions about this message. I said, hey, I'm, I'm going to be preaching on this. What do you think about this? And he's been somebody that I've trusted to help me think about how we talk about money, how we talk about money and faith, and he said something interesting to me. He said, you know, he said, in my life, the 10% is not generosity. That's obedience. Mm-hmm. Anything above 10 is generosity. Mm-hmm. And I was so struck and challenged <laughs> yeah, by that, right? Because sure. uh, I thought, wow, what a perspective. I'd like to, I, you know, I'd like to be in that place. And, yeah. and we have some really generous people. And when you think about the good that you can do with what God has entrusted to you, it, it's pretty remarkable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had an impactful moment. Um, there was a wonderful family at the church I went to growing up, and they threw us a 13th birthday party, me and my twin sister. If you don't know, I have a twin sister. Um, and we sat down to open gifts from all of our friends, and when we did, our, the, the, this wonderful couple uh, handed my sister and I both uh, a bag. And um, the funniest thing about it is that they were crown royal bags. <laughs> Yeah, uh, which, you know, of course, being grown up now, it's like, well, that was interesting. That's a great present right now. <laughs> yeah, I know. But in, in each of the bags was $100 each. And, of course, 13-year-old me was, you know, yeah. beside himself because that was the most money I've ever seen or even held. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we then had to proceed to hear about a 30-minute lesson of this man's study of Scripture and what it meant to give. Um, and, and his perspective was much the way... Uh, you know, presented in the same way as this ministry partner you're talking about, Aaron, is that the the tithe is actually 
just part of what God would like from us. There's also another 10%. He, in his theory, another 10% was his offering. Another 10% was the first fruits. So he kind of removed the tithe from the first fruits and oh, said that's even more. So you give the first fruits. Yeah. You give 10% of all that you make off of the first fruits, or the, mm-hmm. the, if you're using the farming metaphor. And then, then there's offering. Yeah. And then there's what else you give to God, mm-hmm. which is out of the abundance of what he's given us. And you know, meanwhile, I'm fidgeting there, sitting. Well, I, I could go buy a Nintendo with this That's money. Right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. But I'll never forget that. I'll never forget that this man had spent all this time thinking and studying the word and wondering, you know, what God really wanted with us and our money. And that. And it was it was more than just because as a kid, I'm hearing in church, OK, 10 percent. So yeah. the five bucks grandma gave me for my birthday, I can give 10 yeah. percent of that and then I could spend the rest. Right. But. Yeah. He would say very much the same thing. No, no, no. It's, it's more. Because God, God, at the end of the day, wants all of us, right? He wants all of our, not just our money, but our, of course, because he doesn't need it. But he wants all of our hearts, all of our minds. So Let's be fully devoted to him. Yeah. My parents were meaner with that. <laughs> <laughs> They'd give us, we'd, we'd get money from birthdays and we're like, and they would look at us. They, they had a look, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and I remember ha- asking, do I have to get 10% of this, of my birthday money? And they're like, I don't know, Caesar. Do you? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, as a kid, I'm like, oh, <laughs> I guess I have to. <laughs> like, it was so funny. Yeah, my parents were meaner. <laughs> I don't know, Caesar. Do you have to? I was going down to the penny at some point. Yeah. Too much. Well, it's great talking about um, God's word and talking about this message with you guys. Anything uh, we want to add as, before we close? Any last closing thoughts? You know, I just, uh, I think people got, they have to remember, have to remember God's kindness and grace and all of yeah. this. Uh, that's, yeah. the, that's the starting place yeah. for all of it. And if, if, we, if we don't understand that God's heart is, is for our good, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm that he's a father who gives good gifts as Jesus' brother James says, right? Yeah. Uh, every good gift we have, every, every single good thing in our life comes from him. Yeah. That's that's the place we have to start and that's the place he wants us to be able to live out of and, and rest in. And so uh, even as I let my Land Cruiser go, I will, uh, <laughs> I don't, I'm not, wor- I, I'll, I will trust in God's provision in my life, right? I just will. Yeah. And reiterate your point that, that you're giving back to God or to others in his name doesn't merit any more favor from no. him doesn't we talked about the obedience and generosity like those are those are just things that have nothing to do with how much God loves you yeah um, so yeah I, I really I appreciate that point in your in mm-hmm. your sermon so I, I got less of my parents being I don't know Caesar <laughs> you <give 10% laughs> more of a hey if you if you uh, you know give cheerfully is what mm-hmm. you said mm-hmm. you give cheerfully then guys honored in that yeah well Nathan you'll have to forgive me uh, one last metaphor on this it's so helpful so I was uh, you guys know one of my big journeys of this last year I talk about a lot because it's so new for me it's been my working out the gym and and the other day I was uh, doing an exercise that's a a substitute for pull-ups and it's because pull-ups are what I really want to be able to do yeah but I'm I'm not strong enough yet and so I was doing what they call ring rows which is kind of a modified pull-up And uh, I was doing ring rows the other day when the, the, the gym owner came over to me. He said, he said, Aaron, I think you're ready for a, a, a bigger challenge. Mm. And uh, what I realized is that my goal, I, I want to be able to do pull-ups. That's my goal. Um, but now I've got, I've got to take on the challenge if I'm going to get stronger, right, if I'm going to grow. And so I think for some of our folks, maybe, maybe now is that time for them with giving. Yeah. What, what does the greater challenge look like for you? Mm-hmm. If, 
for the sake of your growth, right? It's a grace. Yeah. Well, that's it for this week's episode of our show. I want to thank Aaron and Caesar for being back with us. It's good to hear from you guys once again. Join us next time when we ask our speakers to tell us more. Goodbye.